There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, listeners. Before we start, let me just mention my podcast sponsor. That's italki. They're the perfect service if you're interested in improving your spoken fluency in English. With italki, you can find qualified native speakers of English and arrange conversations or lessons whenever you want via Skype. They have thousands of teachers to choose from and you can arrange classes around your schedule. The cool thing is that italki are offering you, my listeners, a free lesson. For all the details, visit teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the podcast. In this episode, I'm talking again to my brother, James, who has appeared on this podcast quite a lot over the years, usually talking about things like books, films, music and other bits of pop culture and in fact that's what we're talking about in this episode too. The conversation is about 90 minutes long so if this was the 1990s then we could have recorded almost the entire thing on a C90 cassette tape and then just posted it to you. Do you remember those days when we all used cassette tapes for our music and you had to rewind them and stick labels on them and sometimes the tape would get all chewed up inside your Walkman. Ah, good times. Anyway, this is a 90-minute-plus mega ramble with James that covers quite a lot of different things. But I think that's what you've come to expect from this podcast over the years, isn't it? I think so. Rambling and tangents and conversations like that. You're mainly listening to this for your English, of course, in the knowledge that listening to natural conversations like this is generally a healthy thing for your language learning. Your English is more likely to benefit from this if you know generally what we're talking about throughout the episode, even if you don't get every single word. So to help you follow the whole thing, let me now give you a quick overview of what you're going to hear in this conversation. First, James tells us about how he's been feeling a bit unwell recently after he got something in his eye while skateboarding. And we kick off the episode by explaining a few nice bits of language for talking about that. Then he describes a recent trip he did to the French Alps, where he did some snowboarding. After that, we talk about his experiences of doing stand-up comedy for the first time. He recently started doing it. And we talk about what he's learnt from that particular challenge, including some details about coming up with funny ideas and dealing with the nervous tension that you get from speaking in front of people. We also talk about the recent gig that I did with Paul Taylor at the Comedy Store in London. James was in the audience at that show. There are lots of tangents. Tangents, this is when you kind of break off from the main topic and start talking about something else. So there are lots of tangents moments when we 
uh, we're just sort of making each other laugh and also references to some things that you might not uh, know about. Uh, for example, there are some uh, references to comedy TV shows, including a tangent about the BBC science fiction comedy show Red Dwarf, which is actually the second time that show has randomly been mentioned on the podcast recently. And uh, we also mention Alan Partridge, who I did some episodes about in October. We mentioned the new film about Laurel and Hardy. Laurel and Hardy, that's the old comedy double act. Those two comedians from the black and white film era. There's a new film about them. Uh, and the film is called Stan and Ollie, and it stars Steve Coogan in one of the roles. Steve Coogan is the actor who plays Alan Partridge, in fact. So Steve Coogan recently has uh, starred in this film about Laurel and Hardy. It's called Stan and Ollie. James saw the film recently, so he shares some of his thoughts on that. And we then uh, make fun of some TV voiceovers and advertising that you see on television these days. Following that, we talk about a couple of books that James has read recently, including the Alan Partridge book Nomad. And then we talk about the Beastie Boys book, which was published uh, at the end of last year. I'm not sure if you know about the Beastie Boys. Some of you definitely will, but others might not. They were a very famous band in their heyday. Three guys from New York called Adam Yauch, or MCA, Adam Horowitz, or Ad-Rock, and Michael Diamond, uh, also known as Mike D. So three guys from New York that made rap, punk, and jazzy instrumental music in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Sadly, the band stopped making music after Adam Yauk died in 2012. So that's the Beastie Boys. I'm pretty sure that the Beastie Boys were famous in many countries around the world. I know that they were really popular in Japan, for example. Um, they released their memoir last year, the Beastie Boys book, which James got as a present for Christmas. And I also listened to the audiobook version recently. It's a collection of stories about the band written by the two surviving members. So we talk about the Beastie Boys, what they meant to us when we were younger, because we are both big fans. And we then talk about the pros and cons of listening to music on cassette tapes in the 1990s. So there you go. That's the roadmap for this episode. Uh, this is a long episode, so don't forget to hit that pause button and come back later if you've got stuff to do. And if you haven't got stuff to do, then you can just brew up a nice pot of tea, put your feet up and listen on. All right. So now that you've got your brew in your hand and maybe a pack of chocolate digestive biscuits open on the table in front of you, let's get started properly. Hello, James. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Thanks. Um, I'm I'm not too bad, thanks. I've been a bit under the weather recently. You've been a bit under the weather, really? That's our idiom of the day. There you go. We'll kick off with a bit of language, why not? You've been a bit under the weather, so are you still under the weather? I'm feeling a bit better, thanks. Okay. W what's been the nature of your um, problem? What's the problem? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I got something in my eye on Sunday when I was skating. A yeah. bit of grit. A bit of grit went in my eye. Grit. And uh, it seemed okay, but then on Monday it kind of swelled up a bit, the, the sort of eyelid, the yeah. upper eyelid. Mm. 
Uh, so I went to the doctor, and it's okay. It's just a sort of nasty sty, I think they're called. A sty. They're horrible. It's yeah. fine. It's just look, I look a bit like a zombie in one side of my face because uh, I've got a zombie eye. Lovely. So you've been feeling a bit under the weather. You've got a bit of grit in your eye. What is what is grit? That's what the so. world is, is wondering. It's a small piece of uh, non organic material what <laughs> a spit of stone yeah okay it's a bit a little bit of a bit of stone like a tiny no little... i didn't actually see what it was it was that small but you know when you get something in your eye yeah 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 i i always think grit is like when it's in england when it's probably grit's a bit too big it probably wasn't grit it was probably a tiny flake of paint or something like a speck of dust uh, a speck of dust no, no it's bigger non, than that non, non-specified material bigger than dust but smaller than grit Right, like a okay, like a little crumb of stone. I don't. Anyway, so you got a par- <laughs> little thing, and you got a bit a of pa- stone. A particle. In your, a a particle. particle. Yeah, that's good. That's a good word. A particle of something in your eye. Okay, but anyway, I'm glad that you're feeling a bit better. Um, did, did you didn't go into work today, though? Did you? No, I, I phoned in sick, or I called in sick. All right, there's another good one. It wasn't a sicky. Which is when you phone in sick when you're not really ill. That's like to because th- you fancy lying in bed or you've got a hangover or something. That's to throw a sicky or, or or take a sicky, right? Throw a sicky, take do a sicky. Okay, and that's when you are not actually sick, but you call in to tell them that you are sick in order yeah, to get yeah. the day off. I would never do that. Really? I uh, I was genuinely. I think everyone does it sometimes. Okay, you've broken me down already. Yeah. In Australia, t- I think in Australia and New Zealand, they uh, they have sort of like mental health days or duvet days, they call them, where you don't actually have to lie. Like you get five a year or something, where if you just can't face Monday morning, you're allowed a duvet day. Really? That's This is Australia. Yeah, yeah g'day, but g'day, boss. Yeah, I'm not going to come gonna in today. I'm going to call a duvet day. Yeah, you're going call to call in with a bit of a duvet day, mate. So have you ever uh, thrown a sickie? Of you, course. Yeah. Is there, a, is there a right and wrong way to do it? I'd just like to say again, this wasn't a sickie. I was genuinely ill. Yeah. And uh, I needed to clean my eye and just generally look after myself a bit. Yes. Uh, but if you're going to throw a sickie or do a sickie, you could possibly try and sound really under the weather. So like muffly voice a bit. Mm-hmm. It helps if you go into detail, I find. So if you say, describe an unpleasant meal you had the night before that's not, <laughs> that's not uh, gone down very well. And if you go into detail, like, oh, I had a, a dodgy uh, curry last night. They're already having horrible visions. All right, I, and they'll want to hang up as soon as possible. So you just go into detail. Yeah. So what's a really horrible thing you can imagine eating? Like, I, I ate loads of uh, prawns that I just... I had a dodgy prawn cocktail last night. And honestly, mate, oh, seriously, I don't think I can leave the house. And they're already thinking, just stop talking. A prawn curry. I ate a prawn <laughs> curry with, like... A, pra- a prawn madras. Yeah. That's right. It was a seafood curry um, in a restaurant that that actually got closed down. Like literally at the end of the evening, the 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 health and safety came into the restaurant and closed it down. There, they were waving badges around, and like they put they cordoned off the whole restaurant with a special kind of tape, like a police tape, and they were like, "This restaurant has been officially closed." Ladies and gents, you're going to have to go home. And you're like, oh, I didn't finish my prawn curry. And then you're like, me. so, you know, I'm feeling. And then you describe in great detail the night that you had where you kept having to go to the toilet or something. 
that's, that's how you want to go if you want to go strong you know no fear yeah i mean some people might find that if you're in a quite a good job you probably don't have to go to those lengths that's more for your kind of student type job working in a pub where they won't really be very nice to you mm. you have to go in quite hardcore for jobs <laughs> like that because if you just say i'm not feeling very well they'll say i don't care come in you're booked yeah come and do your shift stop being a wuss Right, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not calling. You know what I mean? Or they'll say you have to have a doctor's note or something like that. But you, so, but in, if you're in a sort of slightly better job, they'll probably, if you're not taking the piss and you do it a couple of times a year, then they'll probably let it go. Yeah, because they're like, it's James. You know, I think he's a solid uh, part of the team. He's a solid guy. He's a solid part of the part of the team. He Is really he- helps us turn around that last project in record time. <laughs> if he's if he's saying. He's feeling under the weather. Let's just give him the benefit of the doubt, yeah, guys. <laughs> give him the benefit of the doubt. We're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I, I'd like to state again, I am genuinely ill, and I'm going to go in tomorrow. I, I, I yeah. have to take the day off. Just for the record, for, for legal purposes, <laughs> <laughs> James is genuinely ill, and I believe it because I've seen his eye on FaceTime and... Um, it's. I think it's looking better than it, it did the other day. I think. So anyway, that's good. So all right. Uh, anyway, just let, that, let, out, that out. The let way. me just. Yeah. Let me just run through those <laughs> phrases again. Yeah, under to be under the weather, you got a bit of grit in your eye. Your eyelid s- swelled up, or it became swollen uh, in, in a little sty in your eye. Uh, this is really painting yes. a lovely picture of, oh, of you on, in this in, in this episode. Uh, feeling a bit off color. You you called in sick, uh, which is fine. Which is the which is well, fine. these days you're more likely to actually text. I find. All oh, right, okay. Which means you don't have to put on the uh, ill voice and <coughs> talk about the, the broad madras and stuff. A hide under the duvet and like you know, <laughs> uh, put your head under a pillow before you make the phone call. But if that's calling in sick is is legitimate. But then if you if you're faking it, then that's to throw a sickie or do a sickie or take a sickie or something. This is just for your language understanding purely for language teaching purposes um, this, this <laughs> we do stuff. not endorse we d- i do not yeah i do not under these circumstances i do not condone uh the the act of of um lying <laughs> to your employer <laughs> uh i you know i think it's unacceptable and it, it's it's reckless with the economy especially at you know a time like this anyway so good. You're feeling a bit better. You're feeling a bit better. Yeah, definitely yeah. going to go in tomorrow. You're definitely going to go in tomorrow. Okay, all right then. So, what have you been up to other than being a bit under the weather? What have you been up to then? Um, I went skiing slash snowboarding. Skiing slash with snowboarding with work. Did you actually do sp- amazing? Were you skiing or snowboarding? <clears throat> I was snowboarding very badly. Really? Yeah, I'm not very good at snowboarding. What 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 made you choose to do the snowboarding? Because I skateboard, so I thought it would be easier. And it is to a certain extent. The balance is kind of the same. Uh-huh. And it's easier being on one board rather than two skis, I think. Because I did try skiing years and years and years ago on a school ski trip. Mm. Um, but getting good seems to be a bit harder. But I think I'm still snowboarding like I'm skateboarding, which is a completely different set of moves, really. It's a different edge, different turning technique. Right. So it's it was a little bit frustrating at times because I wasn't, advancing as quick as i'd like to but it was beautiful up there yeah where were chamonix chamonix paid for by work i can't i won't mention my work but they're very good chamonix is in france it's like up in the french alps 
yeah it was just for three days but it was it was ice yeah yeah wicked okay did you did you fall over a lot yep because um and also it's strapped to your feet you know in skis when you come off they yeah. break away from your your boots your yeah. ski boots or yeah. they will under pressure but with a snowboard you're in there you're not coming out the bindings that i had anyway and isn't so that- it feels quite dangerous when you fall off that you're tied both feet are tied to this flipping giant plank of wood well, it's not wood, well, it's not wood it's yeah. fiberglass but you know what i mean i do some sort of resin epoxy <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit Alan Partridge, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah to get specific about it's a lacquered epoxy uh, vinyl. A, a lacquered epoxy uh, fiberglass vinyl, compound composite. Uh, yeah, ca- concave plank. Um, <laughs> um, okay. But I did some. I did some red runs. Did some blue runs. Red runs and blue runs. Which ones are the more difficult? Well, red are pretty scary. I think black is the scariest, but I've, these same feels felt more extreme than some of the other blacks I've done in previous years. So I don't know. Someone else is probably pointing out red and black the other way around, but I don't know. All right. Beyond my ability level, okay. I'd say red. Okay, that's good. Which w- is quite hair-raising. Yeah, yeah, I bet I bet it is, yeah. Okay, uh, cool. What about um, you, you've been... You, you, mm-hmm. you... Uh, you've been doing stand-up right only a very limited amount of stand-up i think i've done six gigs uh-huh so and i did the same course that you did logan murray's comedy course end of uh, yeah in the winter of last year yeah that it was it's called the absolute beginners stand-up comedy courses in isn't it is that what it's called yes. and it's run yeah. by this it's run by this chap um I don't know why I suddenly started speaking posh there. It's run by this chap, Logan Murray. It's run by Logan Murray. Wonderful teacher. Excellent bloke. Terrific bloke. (laughs) Amazing hair. Amazing hair. (laughs) Absolutely wonderful. Defies gravity and all forms of ageing. Wonderful hair. His secret is comedy. The hair alone is worth... Paying five, five stars. Paying the ticket price to see the hair alone, just the um, hair on its own. Anyway, but so you went to see you went not you went to see you you did Logan Murray's stand up comedy course, right? Yeah, uh, like late last year, autumn last year, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what what made you do that? Because um, you'd enjoyed it so much, and I was feeling I wasn't doing enough interesting stuff. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <coughs> and um, I just thought it would be good fun. And I thought it would be a, a challenge. And what's... Very fashionable these days, challenges. Yeah, like... Yeah. It was a challenge, yeah. Everyone needs a challenge in there. Look, guys, you need a challenge in your life. <laughs> you, you know, you're feeling at a loose end. You don't know what to do with yourself. You get gotta, yourself a challenge. Get yourself a challenge. You've got to get fixed, measurable goals. <laughs> FMG. Fixed, measurable, objective. <laughs> F-M-O-G-A. Fixed, memorable, objective, goal aims. Challenges. Yeah. So you decided you wanted a challenge. Um, and I uh, thought it'd be good, you know, good fun. You know, if you, if you, it's guaranteed to be some laughs along the way, you'd think. You think doing stand up comedy in a workshop scenario you were, think would be and were there laughs along the there way? There were. 
oh. immediately and continuously. What? So that was successful. So what did you actually do? Because the point of the course is to is to teach people or help people who've never done any stand-up comedy at all in their lives to help them to be able to do five minutes of stand-up on stage yeah. in front of an audience, right? Initially, they just get you, he gets you kind of relaxed and talking about yourself and talking out loud in a group. It kind of tricks you into doing it somehow through some sort of games and situation type mm. role, role play role plays. scenarios. Role plays I'm scenarios. struggling to, um, no, to explain, but... Um, correct, yeah. You, next thing you know, you're, you're talking out loud. I think the first, he gives you like homework tasks to, to come in the next week with. Mm. And I think the first one was write a thank you list. Mm. So that's quite open-ended. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, some people did pretty much straight up thank you lists to as if they were accepting an award or something. Or um, some people just thanked prominent people in their lives. Mm. Some people... Th- went for a very silly route i can't remember all of them were those but, things uh, were those things funny though were, like that was the well, first some were and some weren't um but the, i think the emphasis was just to get you talking and out loud and presenting mm. and it didn't really matter initially but most people had funny things in there yeah um do you remember so what that you, was quite good do you remember what you what was in your thank you list i did a few different little bits uh-huh I did bits about family. I did bits about uh, a, a dream sponsor list. Like, right. you know, when a sports person wins something and they thank their sponsors. Right. And I did one about mum. What, what, what was the thing about mum? Thanks to my mum uh, for being a great mother and for her catchphrase, Kevil. Kevil. Thanks to my dad for every time we got in the car with our friends. He'd say something like, put on a CD and something, say something like, Beatles for sale, side one, track two, great drumming. Right. That's kind of, he's famous for saying that. It was hilarious. Yeah. Amongst our friends. It's actually a true story that that did actually happen. Apparently they, they got, it's just like being a radio, radio, uh, DJ in a car with you. Being in the car with Alan Partridge or something. Like, like, he's like, (laughs) don't worry, lads. Don't worry, lads. I'll take, I'll take you home. And he, and they're like, oh, okay. And all right, James and Luke's dad. And then they get in the car. It was like Matt and Woody or something. They got in the car with him and he was driving along and he stuck a cassette in the tape player. And he's like, I think it was a CD actually. Beatles for sale. Side one, track two. Great drumming. And then the song started. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, I did my sponsor list, which was like Holston Pills, uh, Curry Paradise. These are the people um, who would sponsor you. Independent trucks. Independent uh, trucks for skateboards. Uh, I can't remember. Loads and loads and loads of them. But they want, I can't remember. Like curry houses and... Um, <laughs> all the things that basically, you know, the, 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 the kind of companies that you would imagine would, would endorse you. I'd like to be endorsed by, yeah. Curry restaurants. But and- I can't remember the, the rest. There was loads. Yeah. Well, anyway, but that was so that was just like one. That was kind of just getting yourself, getting everyone talking and sort of ad libbing a little bit. And Mm -hmm. there's a small stage in the corner of the room because it's downstairs in a pub, Mm -hmm. and uh, it gets everyone to stand up on stage in front of everyone and do a short bit. It may be you just stand there and say your name or say something really basic. Yeah. But just with confidence. 
Yeah. And there's another bit where you have to get up and you'd have to do a press conference and you imagine that you're a politician. Yeah. And that people pose a question to you or the other people pose as journalists and they're all shouting questions at you and you have to think on your feet. Yeah. I love that game. And that's quite fun. Yeah, so that was That's my favorite. That, that was one of my favorite games. They, I bet you were really good, weren't you? Yeah, it was. It, I really yeah. enjoyed that. Well, no, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was fucking brilliant. Yeah, you just swore. I did, didn't I? Are you allowed to swore on this? Aren't you? I'm allowed to swore. Yeah, I'm allowed, I'm allowed to swear as well. I'm a bit under the weather. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It means I can't talk properly. Yeah. It, the symptoms of this eye infection <laughs> are grammar <laughs> mistakes. <laughs> yeah it can, it can happen if you, if you google it up on the internet google that up i mean if you look that up on the internet <laughs> <laughs> google it up google it up You're on fine. the internet yeah, that's the good it? thing about the internet you can find something to support any argument that you want <laughs> within <laughs> you just google two terms together oh yeah really look that happened to this guy if you don't it must be true if you don't find the evidence to support your argument just keep googling yeah, you'll find some deranged lunatic sooner or later. On page nine of the Google search results. Because, like, whoever gets to page nine? Have you ever got to, like, beyond page three or four of, of Google search results? No. Because, you know, you can, you get the first page and you can actually go through each page and page after page after page. And um, I don't know if anyone has ever got to, like, page 19 of the... And there might be undiscovered information that's on the internet that no one's ever got to because they've not they've not gone further than page three of the Google search results. They're, you know, there could be like major discoveries that no one my, knows my, about. My, my Twitter page. Like your Twitter page, yeah, where Brexit, for example, has all been sorted out by these <laughs> these blogs that no one's reading. Anyway, where were we? Weren't we talking about So we, about we were something? talking about you doing the stand-up comedy course, right? So, okay, so they do different exercises in games. The idea is that they... Yeah, they get you, get you up there and get you on stage and get you confident. I mean, in theory, anyway. It's still terrible. It doesn't stop being terrifying. But you get comfortable with the group and then you start thinking up bits to do funny lines. And he encourages you to... Even any small kind of funny idea you can stretch out and add to and add to and more and more and more until you've developed... It may be a tiny idea that gets developed way beyond your first thought. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, can you describe it any better than I no, just I did? No, I think you're right. That he, he also teaches you certain kind of techniques, like, for example, the idea of uh, switching off your editor, which was one of the things that stuck with me, which is just the idea that whenever you... Let's say if you're about to start trying to write some comedy material, or if you're on stage and you're maybe even ad-libbing or something like that like improvising there is this voice in your head which is like no you no no you can't say that or don't do or don't say that like just constantly editing you and in normal polite company the editor is very important because it stops you looking like a total psycho weird person but in comedy you've got to switch that that voice off completely and let all the ideas just come flooding through without sort of worrying about whether they are socially acceptable or whether they make you look like a like a crazy person or something you've got to switch that side of your brain off and just let the ideas all flow out and that's the key to kind of being creative and just then creative ideas can come and later on you can sort of edit them and and uh you know change them to 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 make them more uh, palatable for an audience or something. But the key to coming up with ideas is just to kind of 
just be just open your mind man and just you know let all the ideas come flying out without judging yourself um because you know most of the most people if they were given the task of doing something funny or going up and being funny or writing some jokes or writing some personal stories they would a lot of the time they'd just be like oh no 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 i can't do that i couldn't say that and that that's like defeats the whole point from the very beginning and um so you've got to learn how to it's a risk it's like kind of taking a risk of like switching off your editor because the risk is that you, you know you will say something that's going to be potentially embarrassing or will look you make you look strange but you you can't do comedy without you know first taking that risk um so yeah that's the thing that stuck with me and uh, but for me at, at the beginning of the course i I was very uncomfortable and I, I didn't find it very f- enjoyable at all. I just found it really, really awkward that we were doing these games, which I didn't really understand and which were not funny. Like no one was being funny for, for, for a f- like a few sessions. They were just really awkward, unfunny experiences. And I was just thinking, this is terrible. And I just feel so uncomfortable all the time and then the middle of the course in the middle of the course i suddenly couldn't sleep and suddenly my it's like this switching off your editor thing that he'd been asking us to practice suddenly worked and i suddenly got inundated with lots of ideas and thoughts and and i couldn't stop writing things down and i got lots of funny ideas out of it and in the end it it all seemed to come together and uh and I, i kind of like got into it a lot more um and it was great so that was fun but um did you kind of did you learn anything about yourself while doing the course man um i don't think so no <laughs> <laughs> did you forget anything about yourself while, while you're doing it? um what about public speaking i mean have you ever done a lot of public speaking like have you ever done presentations at work and things no i haven't actually i think the only thing i did was your best man speech yeah which was excellent it was um, really really good that was at my at our at my wedding not our wedding we didn't get married you and me at your wedding to your wife to my wife that's right you did a, a speech because you were the best man and it was great it was really funny and and really good uh but other than that you hadn't done a lot of public speaking uh, so i mean you know have you learned anything about public speaking do you think yeah i'm still not that keen on it i mean <laughs> i enjoy i enjoy coming up with the ideas mm. i'm still not so i mean some people who do stand up just love being up on stage and you can tell yeah they don't want to leave and they want to stay there and they they don't care if they've got anything particularly funny to say they just want to be up there in front of people yeah and there's a certain type and but the thing is you, that's kind of more important because you can learn technique and material as you go right you can pick material up and hone a set i think the most important thing is to really want to be doing it mm, yeah i think that's my biggest problem even though i did in, I have enjoyed a couple of the gigs i've done i still don't have this drive to get up in front of people yeah which is kind of a, a big flaw stand up comedian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some people really want to be up there, and standing I, up is. I quite... don't particularly. Yeah, stand. It's not the standing up that I'm. I'm, I'm objecting to. Objecting to. <laughs> I'm quite happy standing up. It's just getting in front of a room full of people and going, "Hey, everyone, I'm really funny. Listen, I'm going to gonna prove it. Listen to me." Yeah, but yeah. Thing is, I secretly I think I am really funny. And I want people to listen to me. No, I don't. But I'm—I don't particularly have that desire to jump up in front of a, 
a group of strangers and but there's nothing wrong with that you know if, i know there's if, nothing wrong if with you it. genuinely have some funny things to say and you know because there's i mean not- i've kind of used that to my advantage people said my um style was very deadpan yeah so it's the opposite of being very excitable and kind of being hey everyone if you can come on there look really sort of over it it's kind of a can work i mean if you come on as if and you're like oh i'm not really sure i even want to be here i don't know i mean i've only done six of them i need to do a lot more before i know what i'm talking about i really but at the same time i don't quite want to give up yet i feel like i've done the hard bit which is doing the first few Mm. and none of them have you know haven't died that's a comic comedy expression to die die on your ass I, i've talked die about on your ass or die on stage uh, yeah i've talked about those expressions recently on the podcast actually to die on your ass die on stage to bomb as well as the other one yeah well i haven't bombed or died so far okay um, well but watching the videos back i'm still not as confident as i need to be mm. i don't know i'm gonna try and make myself do some more it's it's quite difficult to to relax Especially if you've never really spoken in public before. I mean, that's a big learning curve. Like I mean, for, I, yeah, you're a teacher, so... Yeah, I had, I had the advantage of, of having spent a lot of time standing up in front of people. So that was kind of an advantage for me. But yeah, if you've never done it before. I mean, when I started teaching, I was like horribly nervous. And, and you, you can't control your body in a way, you know? Yeah, I, I still... I mean, do you remember I did that stand-up gig with you yeah in france that was paris was that the first time you ever did that was the first time i ever did stand up before i'd done the course Mm. and i thought i'd give it a go and there was only there was about eight people there wasn't there yeah i think so it was there was it was just other comedians and it was a really quiet night yeah i thought i'll give it a go these people seem okay they're not gonna lynch me Mm -hmm. and i can't remember what material i did but it wasn't (laughs) very good you did you did i go on you did stuff about how Having Donald Trump as the president, it's like we are living in Back to the Future Two, and this is and and in that weird timeline in Back to the Future Two where Biff is is president. It's like everyone's everyone's saying that now, but this was when he just become president, and I, it, it wasn't really a widely sort of shared idea. I, yeah, I think people there said, "Oh, I haven't heard that one before," or I "Haven't heard that angle before." So it was kind of had potential, but. Yeah. Looking back at the video, I'm like shuffling from foot to foot, looking sort of caged bear, looking really, really uncomfortable and kind of not projecting, sort of running, rushing through the words too quickly, mumbling and looking at the floor. So not a great performance. <laughs> it's tricky, though. It's really tricky. It takes a lot of time before you can actually be- sort of um, start to get control over the way you are physically and the body language and stuff. You know, like when you're nervous, the nerves take control and mean that you are restricted in your body. You're, you're, you're like a prisoner of your own body, in a sense. When I first started teaching, for example, I couldn't move my head from left to right. My neck would get stiff because I was nervous. So I tension. could tension, nervous tension, nervous tension. Yeah, I couldn't look to the left. I'd have to shift my my shoulders all the way around. I was like so Robert, be like like Crichton. Crichton from Red Dwarf. Yeah, I was like yeah. that. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> me. And so Any I, Red Dwarf fans out there? Yeah, may, you maybe. Nerds, you nerds. There may be some Red Dwarf fans. I hope so. I need to do an episode about Red Dwarf. You uh, should. Yeah. Um, I watched a documentary about the making of it. 
Yeah. And one thing that cracked me up is it coincided with the sort of Manchester music explosion of the late 80s and early 90s. Just before you... They were filming, they were filming up in Manchester. Just, just wait, just before you carry on, we need to just briefly say... And again, I've, I've mentioned Red Dwarf on the podcast recently in another conversation, but Red Dwarf is a, a comedy TV show that used to be on the BBC, and it's about a group of people who are basically stuck in space. Um, and uh, it's, it's very funny, and uh, there is... Very, che- very nerdy. Very nerdy. It's full it's of... It's about the un- uncoolest TV program you can imagine admitting to be into to a girl. All, all girls hate it. No, they don't. They do. No, man. No, they don't. I've so, never met one that likes it. There are some... I've, I've been watching it before, and they come in and they say with like, as if you've just been caught doing something really bad. Like, uh, Red like, Dwarf. You're watching Red Dwarf. And uh, they just leave with like, you've just dropped uh, about 10 levels in my estimation. No, no, no. You're wrong. There are some awesome geeky girls out there who love Red Dwarf. Have, keep the, you know, have faith, James. Have faith in, in lady, in womankind. Because there are well, some, I, I some girls they that... Have more, they have more sense than be into Red Dwarf. That's nah, what I'm saying. Not all they're, of them. They're more intelligent. Not, not all of them. No, no there's nothing and wrong with... And they don't get off on really bad, badly filmed comedy sci-fi. No, it wasn't bad. It's filmed. not true it because loads of, filmed. loads of women love Doctor Who and that's full of cheap special effects and, and stuff like that. No, 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 no. You, no okay, you, all right. No, all there right. Loads don't of girls, worry, I wasn't, I wasn't being too serious loads anyway. Of, yeah, I know. But anyway, loads of girls like Red Dwarf and Red Dwarf is, is clever because it's got loads of uh, science uh, references to physics and astrophysics and also and science classic fiction. classic sci-fi. It's good quality sci-fi because sci-fi is just like if what if this happened? Yeah. And then you treat it as if it's really a real scenario. Yeah. That's what all sci-fi is. So like War of the Worlds is like, what if Martians actually landed and they weren't friendly? Yeah. And then you treat that as if it's absolutely serious mm. thought, thought out exploration of what would happen in that scenario. Yeah. So I'll- you're not just making up ridiculously. Well, obviously it would take a few days for the army to get involved and they'd probably find then they'd probably have anticipated that. So they probably mm. have weapons that we don't understand and they probably have new ways of breeding that we don't understand. And that you take an idea and then you apply it very yeah. seriously. And also other, other important questions like how would Tom Cruise respond to the emergency yeah, by, by punching it in the face, probably running. Oh no, that's Will Smith. Will Smith punched an alien. He's like, welcome to, yeah. welcome to Earth, bitch, or something like that, right? That's what Will's... Welcome to the project. No. Welcome to the, the project. project I mean, Earth. I mean, I mean, uh, a film studio. <laughs> anyway, how the fuck did we get on this? <laughs> Red Dwarf, rewind. <laughs> Red Dwarf. Uh, I, I don't know how we ended up talking about Red Dwarf. Oh, shit. We got lost in a, in a cul-de-sac. No, we... We do, we do. I'm going to work Quick, this out. Do a U-turn. Let's go Shut back. To, go back to the main highway that we were travelling along. I, I really can't remember. Public speaking, nerves. Feeling that's it. Feeling nervous. Oh, you looking like fucking flipping Crichton I've, from Red Dwarf. That's where it came from. <laughs> because, Jesus, this is a ramble cast. Yeah, when I was a, when I was a teacher and I felt nervous, um, I I've got all stiff in my body and my neck, and so I had to turn my whole body to look to the left or right, like a character from the science fiction comedy show Red Dwarf. Oh the character God. is a is a an android, and so he's he kind of moves around like a robot, and that's what I felt like. Uh, when I first started teaching, but so it's you look it, like an android when you're stressed, and I look like a caged animal. When yeah, I'm stressed. Yeah, exactly. It's, you can't help it though. And even gigs that I've thought went okay, watching them back, I'm definitely not pausing. 
you need to be relaxed when you're delivering jokes. Not that it's that fast. We've got to wait for people to laugh and to get the joke. Yeah. And then you say something. You don't just talk over them laughing, which was something I was doing. It's it's also it's also not uh, just for comedy. It's for anything. Like if you're doing mm. a, a kick-ass presentation, like an awesome sales presentation, guys. You've got to pause and let them absorb, absorb what you've just said. Yeah. And observe. And have a little... Obs- <laughs> and observe what you just said. Obs- Watch what this. Absorb? Watch this, absorb. guys. Observe this. Absorb this. <laughs> absorb this. Absorb don't learn, this. Don't learn to absorb. It's not a real word. What? Absorb? No, that's not a word. Absorb is. Like, absorb this like a, like a, a sponge would absorb water. Oh, uh, man. I'm really sorry what do people think listening to the this? The more you apologise to my audience, the more it means that we're doing the right thing. You know that feeling that you have of like, oh, I should apologise for this. That means that we're in, we're hitting the sweet spot. That's the thing you need to know. How do you know that? I just instinct. <laughs> I've, maybe my instinct is completely wrong, pointing in the wrong direction completely. Probably is. Probably a bit is. Like my sense of direction. Yeah, maybe I'm completely wrong about that, but I have a feeling that trust just trust me on this one we're okay. uh, um, yeah anyway okay. so, so all right that's doing stand-up all right Bloody hell. Uh, oh. so yeah um i'm gonna do some more no i'm nowhere near the standard that you've attained these days you're ne- definitely several plateaus above me yeah i took it to the next um, plateau didn't i yeah and beyond <laughs> um you did a gig at the comedy store recently yeah supporting um Paul Taylor. What's his name? Paul Taylor. The what the fuck? No, WTF France. Paul Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you, you were the warm up guy. Well, I did half an hour. It, yeah, did, that's that's pretty good warm up. Yeah, because he needed ha- half an hour to film some scenes in a pub across the road with his, you know, video crew, and then uh, and and so he needed the audience to be entertained for half an hour while he was filming, and then the the film the film crew followed him from the pub over the road across the street and into the venue and then we we i was a bit stressed out that we wouldn't do the the transition very well because it was going to be filmed in one single shot like something from a martin scorsese film or something they were going to follow paul the camera is going to follow him all the way through uh, the pub across the street actually did do that though didn't they yeah they did and then they they, they followed him into the comedy venue into the comedy store down the stairs around the back (laughs) of the venue and then I had I was told Paul Paul has entered the building and then I had to wrap up my set and I had to then say, Well, you know, that's it and like end on a end on some sort of thing that made them all laugh so that in the video they hear laughter and then you hear me say, That's my time, but please welcome onto the stage a very funny man, Mr. Paul Taylor and then Paul comes up onto the stage and it, actually we managed to get the transition to work very well it went without any errors or problems which is which was good but yes yeah, so, we get to see the final edit uh i think it's in march is when that episode of it's actually stereo trip that's the name of the show oh, that's true i watched the teaser episode because they're not all available on youtube yet are they because uh it's canal plus is uh yeah they're they're is, a- is- pushing it he's uploaded promoting it they uploaded the first 10 minutes of of some of the episodes onto youtube so there's one about germany there's one about italy it's very good if you get canal plus uh check it out check out paul taylor's stuff stereo trip is the name of this show and yeah so yeah. we were filming for the 
uh, episode of Stereo Trip that was all about the UK. And so uh, that day, Paul was filming scenes and interviews with different people about stereotypes for the UK and talking about them and, and, and deciding if they were actually true or not. And we, we filmed a few scenes at the bar of the comedy store that you, I don't think you saw that bit. And we were doing some stuff about, yeah, we were doing stuff about directness in communication style. And so we filmed these little clips. Um, and so I think probably those clips are going to be used as well. I was kind of uh, being used as an actor in the clips. And so basically the way it worked is that Paul would do a kind of direct, uh, say something direct they'd film a little scene with him saying something very direct and then I would do the kind of British indirect version. The English translation of yeah. how he should say it. And there's, so there's him robbing the bar and saying, you know, put your hands in the air, give me all the money. And then it cuts to me going, uh, if, you, if, if you don't mind just popping your hands in the air. Um, and, you know, uh, if the, I don't suppose you could, you know, give me some of the money. No? Okay. Sorry. And then, like, leaving. And, you know, <laughs> and other things like a girl knocks... Uh, Paul's iPhone out of his hand and he it breaks the screen and he's like you broke the screen you for God's sake um, and then it happens to me and I'm like um, oh it's no it's all right it's probably my fault uh, um, sorry you know as she just walks away ignoring me so Sounds that's pretty that, accurate yeah so that could be fun when the, the video it should did. come out in March I think and I think some of that will be available free on YouTube so um, I guess I'll post, uh, you know, my listeners will know about that when it arrives. Um, but yeah, the, the show was good. So I did half an hour and then Paul did half an hour. And yeah, the my half, the half an hour that I did, yeah, it went all right, didn't it? You were it went in the, great, it went great. It was really fun to play at the comedy store as well because it's such a good venue. I've always, I'd always wanted to play there. So it was, it was kind of like a dream yeah. come true, you know, for me. Well yeah. done, well done. Yeah. Shame it was fake for a TV show. Uh, oh, only joking it wasn't shut, 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 your face. shut up shut your mouth shut, shut your face um, no it's quality I thought your set was as good as if not better than Paul's really well well I am biased you are biased aren't you so in, biased in favour of, of your brother I suppose yeah yeah essentially yeah. yeah it was really good fun and you know one of these days I mean I'll I'll get myself a one man show or I'll I'll get some sort of um more regular you've got, enough, you've got enough material now you yeah. could do a good half hour easily you could uh, do an hour i've got an hour at least yeah i've done an hour oh, before man. Do, d- go to go to edinburgh and do an hour no i'm not going to edinburgh it's too, okay. it's it's don't go to edinburgh no edinburgh is it's it's saturated it's oversaturated <laughs> with comedians the edinburgh festival it's there's so many comedians you can't even breathe for yeah but you might get lucky and get a good review and i think that's the- yeah that's, oh, what do I know? I know nothing. No, you're right. But you know what? Going to Edinburgh for a month, for the whole month, or even for a couple of weeks, it's extremely expensive. You don't make any money, and it's exhausting. And you know, I've got like a child to 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 bring up. Yeah, I can't just that. disappear to Edinburgh and do comedy there. No, I'm all right. I've got I've got you know I've got my podcast, and uh, there's uh, maybe I'll do a show in in Paris in a bit once I've kind of done a few other things uh, with the work that I'm doing. Maybe then I'll... You've got, you got your premier podcast thing now as well. Premier, premier podcast. Yeah, Is that pre- what it's called? Premium. 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 Is this going to be on premium? Uh, <laughs> 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 it could be. Um, oh, come on, come on. I think, no, I think this is going to be... <laughs> what, why am I not a... surprised? This is going to be a free bonus episode. <laughs> giving away free with a box of cornflakes. <laughs> 
download one podcast and get this one free, even though the first one was already free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, this will be a normal episode because the thing about the premiere or premium. Premium. They're more grammar focused, are they? Yeah, it's more language oriented. Well, I haven't even heard any. I'm not premium member, so I don't get to hear them. You can, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know. Can you I'll, sort I'll, me out? I'll flip you some login details. <laughs> I'll flip you over some login codes. Well, just send me the, the MP3 files. I'll just send you the files. Yeah, I did. Um, I did a few episodes about Alan Partridge last year, and then I did. They, were, they weren't premium, though. No, they? they were just normal. I listened to them. Yeah, yeah. but then I did uh, some premium episodes, just focusing only on bits of language that came up in those episodes. Uh-huh. So you can learn to speak like Alan. You can learn to speak like Alan, but you can also just learn all the language that came up in the in the normal episodes of the podcast about Alan Partridge. And there's what's, actually... What's this? It's a cast iron egg tree lacquered. Get rid of it. Is, it, is that a deal breaker? I mean, it's... <laughs> we didn't whatever. hear that. We didn't hear that clip. So that my audience have got no idea what you're talking about there. I went no, to see the new Stan and Ollie movie. Stan and Ollie. This is the yeah, film... about uh, Laurel and Hardy. It's a film about Laurel and Hardy. I don't know if in the rest of the world they, they know them as Laurel and Hardy. In some parts of the world, they're known as like Fat Man and Thin Man and stuff like that. But Laurel and Hardy were a comedy double act from the past, from the black and white era. From the, from the black and white era. Of, hold on a second, James. Your microphone's gone strange. I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's the microphone and not you. I am quite strange. Um, you need to go and... All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. This is a side effect of your eye infection. Oh, How's that? Yeah, yeah, we're back. Better. We're back in business. So, Laurel and Hardy, comedy double act from the black and white era of films. Um, I think it was the mid-30s. Yeah, in the just sort of pre-war, pre-war period. Depression era, United States. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, Laurel and Hardy, you know everyone, don't you? One of them was fat and the anyway, other one was Steve thin. Steve Coogan, a.k.a. Alan Partridge yeah. plays uh, Oliver. No, Stan Laurel. Stan Laurel, the thin one. Yeah, and it's a good film. I mean, it's it's good. It's definitely a good film. It's not great. I mean, maybe it is great, but for me, it was nice. It was pleasant. It was good. It wasn't like mind-blowingly good. Was it as good as the Alan Partridge film? Alan, mm, Alpha no, Papa. Yeah. Completely different. Right. Very hard. That's like saying what's. I don't know. You just can't compare them, right? But Alpha Papa's um, pretty good, though, isn't it? Alpha Papa's pretty good. I mean, there's more laughs in Alpha Papa, definitely. Uh, Olive Stan and Ollie was good, kind of Sunday evening telly premiere on mm. terrestrial TV on a sort of you know cozy Sunday I, movie. I'm imagining they imagining some sort of movie channel on tv this is premiere film channel or it would be probably yeah i mean it was good film was very, sunday very well acted very well acted and sunday uh, film premiere story. stan and ollie at 4 p.m on bbc on, two on central <laughs> coming up stan and ollie steve <laughs> coogan and whatever the other guy's name is here on central saturday night at 9pm on BBC One. Stan, the <laughs> premiere, the terrestrial television premiere of Stan and Ollie, starring Steve Coogan, Saturday night at 10 on BBC One. 
Open another bottle of uh, imported Belgian beer and put your feet up. You're not going anywhere. It's the Saturday it's the evening Saturday movie. movie. <laughs> it's the Saturday evening movie on Premier. ITV2. Followed by six hours of advert adverts. <laughs> normally, the, normally, the, this, normally this film lasts 120 minutes. Tonight on Channel 4, on whatever. I can't it's going to last 240 minutes <laughs> <laughs> because of advertising content. Which is much louder than the actual film. Yeah. We, we, we challenge you to enjoy this movie. <laughs> <laughs> because you're not going to... The first 20 minutes are ad-free, and then they'll come in thick and fast. Don't you worry. <laughs> there are By also, the end, you'll want to throttle that girl from the uh, Trivago advert. There are also annoying little sponsored idents at the beginning and ending of the ad breaks. Which, which quite are, often don't flag themselves up quickly. So you think you're watching the movie, then you realise you're actually watching a, a branded ident for Audi. <laughs> um, God. All right, so that's why people don't watch telly anymore. Yeah, because of the shocking advertising you get. But on online, you get terrible ads as well at the beginning of YouTube videos. Yeah, they're pretty bad, aren't they? Yeah, they're they're pretty annoying. It's normally a banjo. Jing 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 jing. Our our new interest-free loans. Jing 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 for your little for your little nipper. Or there'll be someone doing some gardening. None of us are getting any younger, but with uh, the so-and-so insurance plan, I can make sure that there's one for my little seedlings when, I've, when, when I'm I, pushing up daisies. <laughs> when I'm pushing up for daisies. <laughs> so this is listeners. Jing, just, jing, jing, jing. It's peace of mind, and it's only £12 a month. <laughs> There'll be no medical and no, no uh, salesperson with call, and you'll get a free Parker pen just for inquiring. <laughs> jing, 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 jing. <laughs> Ah! Yeah, for, uh, and then it's a furniture advert where they advertise the furniture by saying the numbers like no one ever says numbers. This yeah. new sofa, uh, this new three-piece suite, just three nine nine. Like what? You mean three hundred and ninety-nine pounds? You mean four hundred pounds? Yeah, you mean four hundred pounds? <laughs> yeah, this new uh, Canon. Uh, what, what would it be like? This, this new, new Canon home all-in-one printer, only three pounds. Cartridges <laughs> are five hundred pounds. Yeah, star uh, asterisk by three pounds. We actually mean three hundred pounds. This uh, new Canon Inkjet ink. three three thousand from just two nine nine. From <laughs> from two nine nine. No, they're really. That's the thing with printers. You can get a printer for about thirty quid now. Yeah, okay. The print ink, ink is what gets you. They get you on the ink. <laughs> that, that's the, their plan. The ink has become the most valuable uh, liquid on earth. It really is. The, and then in, you can it, buy the bootleg ink off eBay, and it. F- Scams, scabs up. <laughs> ink is getting so expensive that in a few years there'll be like the ink wars of like 2020, you know, to 2024. You may joke about it now, but we'll see. This will probably be pulled out of a sort of iPod Nano into 2000 years and they'll break it. Oh, we found a way to access this data. <laughs> it's this random stupid podcast and they're talking about the ink wars. Little did they know. Well, history- in 20 short years, those ink wars were set to destroy the planet. Yeah, exactly, because the ink is getting so expensive. There will be, you know, like uh, countries will wage war over the ink reserves of wherever ink is made. I don't know. Where, the, where- CM- the CMYK 
Wars. The, the Schaefer versus... 2067. Pentel uh, versus Parker. Uh, anyway. So, uh, is this oh. the kind of stuff that you think is hitting the golden? Yeah, but you see, the the, the thing you have to do is when you've what is it called the sweet spot? The sweet do you really think this yeah. is in the sweet spot. <laughs> <laughs> but what you have to do is when you've gone a bit too far, you have to immediately it in. bring the ship back on course. Okay, well, that's and, what we do and, now. And uh, okay, so you saw the Stan and Ollie film and you thought it was good, and it's that the sort of good. film, the sort of film that you. It was could, a good film. It was a good. It was a good film. The sort of <laughs> damning yeah. with faint praise. Yeah. What did you think of the film? I, I thought it was it was good. It was, it was just, fine. It was just good. It was fine. It was fine. No complaints from me. Yeah, it was fine. It was just <laughs> fine. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Anyway, so you saw it. it was like the kind of film you could watch on a Sunday afternoon on like on on BBC One or something like that. Okay. Yeah, and it will be in. in- about six years, probably. And tonight, our movie premiere, Stan and Ollie, May the Force Be With You. Oh, sorry, wrong film. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, have you read any... Uh, have you, so that's... We've talked about films. Have you seen any... Uh, have you seen any books? I mean, have you read... <laughs> I've seen a few books. Have you read any of them? Have you read any books? Uh, yeah, I've read loads. I read loads of books. You're a you're a what's the word for it? A an avid bookworm. An avid bookworm. A, a reader <laughs> I don't of think books. You can be an avid bookworm. You're just a bookworm, or you're not a bookworm. Right. Or you can be an avid reader. Yeah. I don't think you can really be an avid bookworm. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. You can be clear. No, you're the language expert. You tell me. No, you're right. Yeah. You, yeah. Absolutely you're, right. You, you yeah. don't say you're an avid bookworm. You say you're. I'm an avid reader. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a bit of a bookworm. Yeah. Actually, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Which is a way of saying I'm quite clever. Absolutely right. Even yeah. though all the books I read are about like rock and roll bands and stuff, so aren't very clever. Right. The very easy stuff to get very through. Easy rock biographies. Very big writing. <laughs> Very big letters, <laughs> so that their fans can read them. Yeah, I'll tell you what the worst for that is, the uh, the Princess Diaries. Wait, what's the Princess Diaries? The Carrie Fisher book. Uh-huh. I got about a quarter of the way in, if that, and it was just so basic, I just couldn't face any more. What, what do you mean, so basic? Just really badly written. I mean, I guess it had been cobbled together. Did she? It was obviously spoken out loud, and someone transcribed it. I don't think she sat down at a typewriter and actually typed it all out. Uh-huh. So maybe we should blame her biographer. Yeah, but it felt like a children's book, and that was one classic. Very big words, very big font. Yeah, and uh, quite thick pages. Okay, so that, <laughs> there's like nothing to out. it. There's nothing to it, right? And uh, maybe I should have stuck with it, but I got a bit infuriated with it. And didn't I think I took it to the charity shop? Okay, what and what? Did, why did you take it to the charity shop? Because well, it's better than burning it. Yeah, I know, I know. Because <laughs> I'm a good, you know, like recycling type person. I yeah. think it came from a charity shop originally the, as the, well. So. The point being that you can give the book I didn't, to, to the charity shop and they will take it and then sell it. That's Just, the plan. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, what else have I read? The, I did, that's one I don't recommend. I did read the Alan Partridge book Nomad. Okay which is really funny and there's at least a laugh on every page which is saying something yeah but it, it really is packed with really stupid situations and <laughs> alan alan humor that you'll either love or you won't love but um i thought it was brilliant really really funny it's incredible isn't it it's so ridiculous 
yeah. and he still maintains this kind of aloof persona where he's not quite in touch with himself. Yeah, he still thinks he's an A A list broadcaster. It's not quite that. It's just he's got such a weird self image. I don't know what he thinks he is. Yeah. Yeah. But he gets himself into some really stupid situations. Yeah. It's kind of like one of these travelogue books where they travel across the Andes or something and learn about themselves as they go. But he's just walking to Dungeness and back and he doesn't even do it. Yeah. <laughs> he keeps stopping in hotels and having his shoes stolen and yeah the it's, point the it's very hard to explain the principle of the funny. the principle of the book is that alan has decided like after his father dies but it's not even after his father has died it's, it's like really he, bad premise for the walk yeah and he keeps he, on stating this isn't for a book this is for, to the honor my father and he keeps stating that so many times like okay we get it it's not to do with the book deal because in in okay. in the uk we get things like uh these these deep and meaningful tv shows or books that people write and they're all about like these journeys that they've take taken in very personal journeys it's always uh, a personal journey and it's always about a relation like oh my mo- and a personal connection to a place yeah so they're always like my mother loved uh you know sleaford yeah because her grandmother was born there and she used to work in the local corner shop and Whenever I see it on the map, I always think of my mum, and I wanted to pay out. Except more than that, and they do always. They just lay on thick, and they and they do a ro- looking- They do a road trip to this place, and, yeah. and it's the whole thing is filmed, and there's lots of like uh, revealing like monologues to the camera, and uh, uh, and and sort of meaningful um, visits to different places and things, and it it's like a yeah an emotional uh, road journey um, <laughs> into the soul, you know, and and so. This book, Nomad, they can is, be a bit hammy. They can be a bit cheesy, it's a bit cheesy, and a little bit contrived, Insen- a bit contrived, and a bit insincere. Sometimes you get the impression that they're doing, they're trying to push the emotional angle a bit too hard in order to make a make an engaging TV show, and they're kind of contr- contriving, yeah, a situation where that happens to involve a very photogenic road trip that will just happen to make a nice six part series yeah so these are the real shows that we see on tv sometimes the kinds of typical stuff that you get these days but the alan partridge book is where alan it's you know has basically decided he's going to make one of these shows it's kind of taking the piss out of alan but it's also taking the piss out of that genre yeah of self-discovery road trip type tv shows And and it's kind of poking fun at that at the same time as having fun with putting Alan into these silly situations. And he decides to, to go on a long walk in order to honour his father. But it, it, it turns out that it's, in fact, his father... Because he's talking about, I'm going to do this walk because my father did this walk once. But then it turns out, actually, you realise that his father never actually did do the walk. And it was it's such a tenuous link. But that's part of the humour anyway. Let's, let's, what else have I read? But, um, uh, did you read the Beastie Boys book? Yes, which is absolutely brilliant as well. Okay, so listeners, uh, I mean, the Beastie Boys are, were famous around the world, oh, weren't they? They were. I'd say so. I mean, it's funny, some people still don't really know them that well. I think we, uh, sort of, us two, yeah. are born of that generation. Yes. But the younger people don't really know them as well as I'd expect them to. Yeah. But for us, they were kind of like our Beatles. As yeah. As weird as that yeah, sounds. Yeah, yeah, no, they, they were. were. Kind of, as a group that you grew up with, and they evolved as you got older, and you kind of grew up with them. Yeah, and I they would... started out as a bit of a kind of teeny 
sort of bopper kind of band or slightly they were in danger of being a gimmick seen as one dimensional yeah uh, but then they evolved as they went along i mean yeah it's a bit of a weird comparison but no i get it but I, I like for me uh i was such a huge fan of the beastie boys in the 90s and they were of all the bands i mean they were from the united states they were from new york and obviously we were growing up in the countryside in the middle of england uh you know quite different worlds but for some reason i felt like i identified with the beastie boys more than i did with all of the, the the British bands that were around at the time, yeah, and those bands were bands we were supposed to be the, yeah. into, like Oasis and Blur. I found them a bit. I just found yeah, them didn't really relate. I just found them annoying at the yeah. time. Nowadays, I look back at, at bands like Blur and Oasis, and I can enjoy them and appreciate them. But at the There's time, a few good Blur songs. I could probably make a, a sort of Blur CD that I liked. Yeah. Like, six tracks that i like by blur but yeah they've never been my band yeah and also the beastie boys felt like my band or yeah, our band they i felt like they were sort of uh they they were they spoke the same language as me we were on the same wavelength you know yeah. and and the thing is about them that they were they had really broad musical tastes so yeah. the, the 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 beastie boys they played hardcore punk rock music they played hip-hop and they did this instrumental jazz kind of funk stuff as well. Booker, Booker T sort of influenced. Yeah, like blue note kind of jazz. Slow, groovy, kind of night, weird sort of double bass. And Hammond organ. Sleazy nightclub kind of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, they were very funny as well. They never took themselves seriously. Exactly. That was the thing about them. that They were flipping hilarious and they never took themselves too seriously whereas our bands uh in britain at the time just one big pose everyone was posing and everyone was trying to be too flipping cool and some of them were great i mean like pulp were uh, yeah they're fantastic uh, they don't deserve to be called a brit pop band because they're better than that jarvis uh, cocker yeah they're they're on their own really yeah pulp were the best they're, they're more of an art school band that went stadium yeah yeah, they, um, they were amazing. Um, they're, they're great. Yeah. But I, again, I never felt like they were my band. No, I never me felt neither. They were speaking to me. They were great music and they were always on everywhere. You couldn't go anywhere without hearing those big pulp singles. Yeah. On the pub, on the TV, on the radio, in people's houses. You just hear it all the time. Yeah, yeah, Same yeah. Same with Oasis. I never had to buy an Oasis CD because it was just on everywhere. We're in Oasis. Yes. And you could hear Oasis on the, the telly pretty much every day if you yeah. particularly wanted to or on the radio all the time everyone had them cds but the beastie but boys they never were... felt like they were talking to you directly yeah the beasties so the beastie were, were, were our more... they were our band and they were on our wavelength they just, they just were because everything was flipping hilarious and they they i don't know they were just into they were just what... a much cooler version of what you were at that time and yeah and they they had we were at that time they had all the clothes that i thought were the coolest clothes and their their taste was impeccable all yeah, the they were good sort of taste makers if you heard a reference to something in a bc boys tune you could check it out safe in the knowledge that it was going to be really good yeah they were into or all the cool stuff anything and- they mentioned you'd be like you could look it up and when you couldn't look it up in those days there was no internet yeah but if you saw it in a record shop you're like oh that's that thing that they mentioned i'll probably buy that see what that's like yeah um yeah yeah they were they were reliable they were very um good good judge of culture for us consistent yeah and and just hilarious and also the tunes like the first time i heard paul's boutique 
which is their second album. I heard it a few years after it was released. I heard it after I'd bought like I think their... that's the same for nearly everyone. Yeah, like the middle of the nineties. Kind of got a bit sick of them after the first album because it was a bit of a joke. Yeah, and the joke wasn't really that funny in the first place. And after you'd heard "Fight for Your Right to Party" a few times, it was just like, yeah, novelty record, mm. whatever. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you didn't even think anything about it. You just ignored it after a while. Yeah. And then I remember seeing Paul's Boutique came out, but I never bought it because everyone's like, who gives a toss about the Beastie Boys? They're those just annoying guys. Yeah. One hit wonder. Yeah. But then you hear a couple of years later, someone passed it on to you and you're like, geez, this is amazing. Yeah. And it was well ahead of its time as far as rapid sampling and kind of mixtapes of like like a collage and musical collage. Mm. Taking loads of samples from loads of really great uh, funk and jazz records and and hip hop and even sampling the Beatles. I don't know how they got away with sampling the Beatles on that album. They they sampled Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Band. Before the legalities were really worked out on sampling, possibly. I don't know how they got away with it. There were still rules about very short samples were okay and stuff in mm. those days. I, th- I might be wrong. But then then also the band... But there were such short songs on Paul's Boutique as well. It really felt like it was frenetic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like a mass, like a, you know, a very frantic collage with things coming at you every few seconds. There'd be a new sample or a new groove. And yeah. The songs that- were kind of hidden all amongst this big wedge of very dense very uh lyric intense party music music. uh, it's it's about 90 minutes long but the number of samples in there it means it's like an incredibly dense mixtape with million you know not millions but millions but like loads and loads and loads of different samples and things so it's very very rich uh but not the kind of thing that would sell millions of records like their pre their first album but then after that they they went to los angeles and they kind of created their own studio that was for me when i read about it it was just like my ideal place it was like my dream when i was 19 when i was 19 they they had a recording studio in their house in their house with all their musical instruments but then they also had stuff like what they had a basketball Basketball course skate ramp yeah computer it's like every every kid's dream really yeah and they were being super creative it's not like they were just going hey we're rich Hey, la, 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 we've got flash cars and bollocks like that. Yeah. It was like, we're using this opportunity to be completely creative in as many ways as possible. Yeah, it was and so cool. It were never about showing off. They are always about... Because um, that's the problem with all that sort of culture now. It's so passive. Like, okay, you're rich. Now what? Mm. You've got to design a handbag. Big yeah. deal. Now what? What are you going to do with it? Look at it. <laughs> It's like where they were, everything was a massive creative explosion. Yeah, it's so In brilliant. millions of directions, and they had their own, you know, mm. I don't know, they had their own distribution company for other bands, and they had all sorts of little things going on. Yeah. Um, and um, so the Beastie Boys book is basically the is their story told by the two surviving yeah. members of the group. Yeah, MCA, uh, rest in peace. MCA, rest in peace, exactly. He died uh, in 2012, um, sadly. But um, yeah, but uh, yeah, so it's it's uh, the two other guys, um, Adam Horowitz and Michael Diamond, Ad-Rock like part, and Mike part D. It's a picture book. It's kind of medium size, quite thick book. Yeah. Lots and lots of photos, but I, I mean, when I first asked for it for Christmas, mm. it's not even that expensive. It's like 25 quid, but um, I kind of thought it would be more like a picture book. 
I didn't realize it would have such uh, extensive text as well. Uh, yeah. The whole story of the band from uh, before they were signed, when they were just kids skateboarding and going to punk, punk gigs and stuff, to uh, all the way up to now, basically, or up to the end of the band. And it's it's full of stories as well. It's just full of anecdotes and stories yeah. throughout their career. And they've been very selective, again, with really good taste. They've just chosen the best stories that they could remember yeah. and put them down in this book. And it's full of very funny moments. But I didn't read the book because I've got terrible reading habits these days. And I just do audio books now. So I'm just like listening to books when I'm walking around. And I got the audio book version of the, the Beastie Boys book. And it's amazing because... Uh, it's read out by uh, Adam and Mike, but also it's read out by all these other people. They've like got these actors and and other people to read out different chapters of the book. So is that funny. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's a bit confusing because sometimes you don't know who is talking. Yeah. Like if it's Barbara Streisand who's reading one of the chapters. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's <laughs> she is brilliant as well. She's so funny. She's yeah. absolutely brilliant at reading the stories. Um, but Barbara Streisand reads a couple of chapters. And, but I you don't of, know if it's Adam or... Yeah, I don't know if it's Adam or Mike. Mike but, um, yeah. And there are other people, like a lot of comedians from the States, people like Will Ferrell is one of them. And uh, who's the guy? Who's that guy from Reservoir Dogs, the guy with the kind of... The funny-looking guy from Fargo and Reservoir Dogs, you know? Buscemi. Steve Buscemi is Steve one of the... Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi and um, Chuck D from Public Enemy reads one of the chapters. LL Cool J reads one of them. <laughs> He's got a cool voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, because it's written by the Beastie Boys, it's full of their kind of slang and the, the kind of attitude and delivery. It's, it's fucking hilarious. I was, uh, I, I was listening to it. And I was cracking up all the time at all the stories. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about was, um, well, obviously, there's the whole thing about being in a band, which we're going to have to save for another time. But maybe we can yeah. just end with this one. There's a chapter in the book, which is all about making mixtapes and ad rock. It's mm. right at the beginning of the book. Ad rock wrote a chapter. Adam Horowitz wrote a, ch wrote a chapter about how we all used to make mixtapes for each other and how we used to listen to our music on cassettes, right? These old C90s and C60 cassettes, right? I mean, these, I mean, we've been through various uh, formats since then. We went from cassette to, to mini disc and CD and now into MP3 and stuff like that. But back in the 90s, we were all going around with cassettes and yeah. Walkmans and making cassette mixtapes. Uh, mixtapes for each other i really got into that um that chapter it was very good yeah 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 so and, um did, did adam you, yeah uh ad rock um he says is it his optimum tape length is 60 minutes because mm. i thought oh, that's actually probably quite true but i always used to go for a 90 me too it's just more music yeah. But listening to a whole 90 in one setting, in sitting, is probably a bit too much. A 90, the thing is, if you give someone a 90-minute a uh, compilation tape that you've made, it's kind of a big ask, in a sense, for, for, for that person, because... Having are they going to listen to the entire ninety minutes? They're going to listen to forty five minutes and then flip yeah. the tape and listen to the rest. And if you give them a sixty, you've got a lot more chance of them listening to the entire thing and getting they into have it. More impact if you're more selective with your selections. Yeah, yeah. But ninety, you can get a bit lost. Yeah, you can lose focus. Yes, exactly. But a sixty, it tends to. Yeah, it's a bit more focused. I mean, my, my DJ mixes. I bought one of your little recommended MP3 recorders. Yeah. 
the uh, shall I name it? Yeah. <laughs> they might yeah. send you a free one. Yeah, they should flip in send me a free one because I use all of their stuff. It's a Zoom, Zoom H1N. Okay, Zoom, um, I know you're listening to this. Zoom, I use I use Zoom products and I think that they're great. They're you're great. Using a sh- you're actually using a Shaw microphone right now. I'm using now, a Shaw microphone, but uh, it's going into a Zoom H5. Oh right, okay. And I've got a Zoom uh, camera as well. You should you should hit them up, man. Hey guys, uh, got a great uh, opportunity here for you. Uh, I've got one of the best uh, in the world uh, English uh, language podcasts. I've uh, been running it for about ten years now, about twelve years actually. I've got a, and, you know, uh, I've got a great, I've got a great outreach, re- great outreach across uh, major territories, <laughs> and I think uh, we can really work together on the brand uh, pushing outwards, moving forwards. Uh, so why don't you just hit me up on uh, my usual? I'm on all the social medias, hit, all the apps. Hit me up on the socials, get, get back guys. To me on social media, yeah, and uh, we'll talk. Okay, we'll, ciao, bye. Let's talk about some some branded uh, let's some content branded marketing push going forwards, guys. Okay, I mean we've got some great content lined up that we can sink you guys into. Uh, <laughs> it'd be a great uh, cross brand uh, interaction. <laughs> process and uh we all know you know we can we can reach and really hit some big numbers with this guy so zoom love to have you on board uh get in touch with luke here at the podcast and we'll talk money (laughs) (laughs) exactly okay zoom that's the kind of shit that we can we can provide uh, for you provide for you going forward so you know just we'll stick stick that up the flagpole and see who dances to the to the to the, the beat, tune to the, the pipers piping. We've got some fat beats that we can uh, really throw out across the airwaves here, Zoom, and uh, I think it's gonna, you know, it's gonna be a mutual par- partnership for for both hey, of brand, us guys. Brand collaborations are really on trend this year, and we just really think that uh, <laughs> together, a combined forces of Luke's English podcast and Zoom could really take this to the next level, the next plateau. <laughs> Oh, God. <coughs> so you've been using the Zoom H1, which is a handy Zoom little H1, recorder. Which is a handy, hand pocket-sized device with an inbuilt stereo twin mic and a audio input. I wouldn't have had to bother buying it, but Apple, in their infinite wisdom, removed the simple audio import on their Ma- uh, Mac, Apple Mac, whatever they are, desktop yeah. model, yeah. and replaced it with some unfathomable... Shit. Yeah, which which obliges it you to buy some peripheries. You have to buy a wizard, like an actual wizard. You need Gandalf to help you to actually. Which plug is like, a- why didn't they just leave that little socket? You know, a small pin. Do you know what I mean? What are they on? Yeah, they're on I Apple. Don't know. What are you doing? Yeah, greed, greed, greed in its purest form. Did you not read the Old Testament, Steve Jobs? Come on, he's well. He's not around. He's anymore. in the That's Old the Testament problem. now, isn't he? He is the Old Testament. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, I mean... This is this is where we bring it back. This Remember is where we realise. So find yourself, editor, turn it off, then turn it back on again. Yeah, quick, 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 turn the editor on, quick. So anyway, you've been using... Zoom. So anyway, I've noticed that about an hour and five minutes seems to be the optimum mix length. 
for for doing a, for a music a mix. mix a music mix i okay. mean a radio show you can go on a bit longer but i'm not doing a radio show i'm just doing all music all hits <laughs> here on luke's radio rock all, radio all killer no filler on luke's all the rock time, radio 24 hours a day yeah um but after an hour you kind of start to get a bit tired you need to sit down mm. no but i mean listening back to it after an hour you're kind of how many people really got an attention span of longer yeah. than an hour i mean yeah. even on a long journey after yeah. an hour you're probably going to want to listen to something else mm. Mm. so an hour and 15 for a sort of dance mix but uh i think <laughs> <laughs> i made a scar mix the other day and came in around about 46 minutes and that felt about right yeah so so you think that Ad-Rock is right about the C60? Yeah, basically where this is all rambling on from is that the C60 probably is the best tape length for yeah. making your friend a mixtape. Yeah. And we've been doing it wrong all these years, doing the 90. Yeah, man. But the only good thing with the 90, you treat it as two 45-min chunks. Yes, that's right. I don't know. And it's also a 90, yeah... It's flawed. It's a flawed tape length. I was going to. What ask, about one twenties? Oh them? no! You know what's the thing Very about a rare beast? Thing about a one twenty is that uh, they it, can't maintain their tightness. Danger! They will always get chewed up in a tape mm. player. The mm. the one one twenty cassettes never survived. They would always end up getting all chewed up. They were yeah. very rare at the best of times. Yeah, and the quality was... I used was to like off- the chrome ferric tapes, the really oh. heavy black chrome ferric. Oh, yeah. Like Mitsubishi or TD, some sort of obscure techie sort Japanese of brand. Japanese company. Yeah, Japanese quality. Or the Sony ones that had the little flush cases. Oh, yeah, beautiful. You know what I mean? Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, they, very nice. Just before the cassette sort of got... Uh, went redundant. They the the cassette was at its best, right? They were producing yeah. those lovely, slick, heavy, yeah, chrome cassettes and shit. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was good. With the, with the very sleek cases that didn't spring apart quite so easily. Mm. But um, and they were quite, and they, some of them had a, like a, a smoked finish to the uh, plastic. Yeah. Like a grey, dark grey, smoky. Yeah. Hugh, smoky lady, smoky Hugh, smoky lady. Well, fancy <laughs> that. <laughs> um, That's the fast show. Yeah. Uh, so here are some of the things I thought about when I was listening to that. So there's the thing about. So nowadays you've got your Spotify or you've got you know MP3s on your iPhone or whatever it is, and uh, you don't need to think about you know leaving the house. You've got all your music with you all the time. But back in the days when we had Walkmans and cassettes, you would have to like select the tapes that you would bring with you on that particular day. And I remember going to college, like choosing the cassettes that I'd bring with me, and I'd put the I'd, I only had a limited num- amount of space. So I could fit two in the front pocket of my bag. I could fit two, one cassette in uh, the top pocket of my jacket and then maybe one cassette in the other pocket of my jacket. So I've got four cassettes, you know, that's my playlist for the day, it's basically. quite a lot. I'd normally take one in the Walkman and have one extra. Yeah. yeah. So that's a kind of reasonable amount to have. Yes, I think yeah, so. I remember getting in people's cars and opening the glove box and they're just like... <laughs> Piles and piles of loose tapes and boxes. Yeah. Like that sort of Lego noise of like... Just like, like, oh, it's in here somewhere. Ching! Oh, found it. Yeah. Randall, live at Dreamscape. Wicked. This is brilliant. You're going to love this one. Right, right. Also, um, uh, I... I uh, if you wanted to listen to, like, let's say, Side 2 
of the mixtape that you had with you. Tough shit. You, this is side one first. Yeah, you got and you but you're at the beginning of side one. And you can't just fast forward or rewind on, on your, your wa- tape walkman, on your walkman. It'll, the it'll kill the batteries. So what I learned to do was uh stick a, a biro pen into one of the uh, cogs of the tape and spin the tape round on the end of the pen. So I'd be I'd spent a, I spent a lot of time manual rewinding when I was a teenager manually rewinding cassettes that I wanted to listen to and I just is that what you were doing up in your bedroom yeah tick 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 tick, tick yeah I was rewinding cassettes manually yeah. I'm sorry mum I'm just manually rewinding <laughs> that's right I'll be down in a minute <laughs> let me just finish manually rewinding uh, my cassettes this. Paul's boutique cassette. Yeah, no, on the bus and stuff on the bus. So I'd be yeah, on the I bus, know, like, know, like know. Dink, you know, it was a cheap, cheap, obviously cheap a steep, gag. a cheap and steep, not steep, a cheap gag uh, that you made there. Um, cheap gag there, uh, everyone. But uh, but yeah, spinning tapes on the end of pens was a big thing for me. Yeah, um, that and also yeah, if your if your favourite tape gets chewed up by a crappy tape machine then you'd have to do emergency surgery on the cassette. Have you ever done emergency surgery on a cassette? Uh, yes, I have. So just, talk uh, me, second, talk me, just talk me through that process. If you're really uh, serious about this tape, you can actually take it out of the housing and put it into another tape housing, but that's extremely advanced. The transplant? The total tape transplant to another body. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever successfully performed that operation because there's normally some bits left over that you find out as essential and the tape get clogged up. I've done minor tape repairs where you open the tape or maybe you just take the tape out, cut out the affected bit, which is all crunched up, and stick the two bits back together with some sellotape, a tiny bit of sellotape. And then you need to re-record that tape to another tape because you can't go around with a piece of tape with a tape that's got a bit of sellotape in it. Oh, you can if you, you tape it well enough. Yeah, but stay. no, that's it'll, it'll, it'll there's last. always the chance that's going to get chewed up again, isn't it? Well, I've never, I would, I've never gone as far as re-recording no, that tape. Just re-record the tape is always the best plan. Don't don't risk it, man. Um, okay, but yeah, okay. Making I've still got some tapes in my kitchen, quite a few, and they're still in pretty good nick. Have you got any tapes I mean, that I made play. for you? Have you got any of the mixed? Yeah, tapes? I've got that Luke's master mix where you're talking over funk breaks. Oh yeah. That's a good one. That's from 2001. And you were doing pause tapes. Yeah. Which is another thing, a mixtape thing, before you had a sample, well, if you couldn't afford a sampler, yeah. you play a loop of a record, pause it right on the right point, rewind the CD or the tape, unpause it, pause it again, and you're taking that one loop of, of, yeah. um, of break or a funk loop and just trying to record it so it syncs together into a seamless loop. Yeah, yeah. So you've got very, very difficult. You've got a tape player with a with a tape that you're recording onto, and you hit record and you play. Yeah, the the section of the the record or the CD that you want recorded, and at the right at the end of that that section, you've got to time it right so it lands on the on the offbeat or whatever. You hit the pause button on your tape deck. Yeah, rewind it to the beginning of that loop and unpause and play uh, the record and and you can keep doing that and doing that and you end up with a long looped section where it's just that piece of the record again and again and again and it could be like the drum break or a particular good bit that you just repeat over and over and over again and yeah hip hop hip hop rap men used to <laughs> <laughs> uh used to um 
do those tape uh, loop things, and then they would wrap. Yeah. They would wrap over the top of them. Legend has no it. DJ Scratch, who's quite a famous um, hip hop DJ. I don't know recently, him personally, but well, he uh, recently found a load of his tapes and he put them up on social media, and they had quite a lot of those pause tapes. Yeah, where yeah. he'd make a whole, say, five or six minutes of one loop, mm-hmm. which must have taken hours of rewinding, pause, you know, pausing, yeah. rewinding the original tape. I did the classic uh, breaks mega mix, which I did in two thousand and one, and it's sixty minute. It was a sixty minute tape, and it was in exclusively made out of. Uh, pause what do you call it pause mixes or whatever but i was tape pause tape i had my playstation which i was using as a cd player and i had a a sharp mini disc recorder and that's what i used as my uh no that's it i I used the mini disc and i created a 60 minute pause tape mixtape using the method that we just talked about and i had a whole stack of all of I made. I I was really. I had a lot of time on my hands at the time, and I made a huge pile of all of my jazz and funk CDs, and I went through every single one, and I picked out the best loops and the best bits from all of them, and I looped them, and just moved on to the next one and the next one, and it ended up with a sixty-minute mix which I had on the mini disc, and then I played the mini disc into my tape machine, and I plugged a little. I plugged a pair of headphones into the microphone input. And that, if you put headphones into a microphone input, it will turn the headphones into a microphone. I don't know how. Still don't know how that. I don't works. know how that works, but something it works. Something to do with electromagnets. Something. So I was speaking into this headphone, recording myself emceeing over the whole sixty-minute mix, and I decided that I would, bec- I would like take on the persona of this like <laughs> New York DJ kind of guy. And the whole, the whole thing, you're welcome to the new, the classic breaks mega mix. And I did that whole thing and I was like doing shout outs to, to like people. Do you want me, it, to, uh, do you want me to record it? Cause I've got a little I've tape. Got it. I've got it, man. I've got it on Mixcloud. I'll, Have you? Yeah, I'll put a, I'll put, uh, I actually, um, I cleaned it up. So I, I put it into GarageBand and I, I stuck, no, it was years ago before I had GarageBand. When I had a PC, I well, just... put I put all the tracks up, and I actually edited it and cleaned it up a bit. So some of the the, the uh, loops are even better than they were before. Oh, so cleaned it up like that. Cleaned it up a bit, yeah. So um, it's on Mixcloud, um, and I'll 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 stick the the mix on the page for this episode. But listeners, if you do listen to it, you should know it's it's pretty stupid, and you'll hear me. I mean. I think it's quite. It's actually funny. quite annoying. But Is it quite it's funny annoying to me? No, it's funny to me. I'm just warning them. Don't expect. Yeah, I great dis- things. I distributed it to my friends, and that everyone enjoyed it. That I distributed it. Well, some people never spoke to me again, but uh, <laughs> some people said they found it funny. But anyway, you can listen to it on Mixcloud if you want. Right. Well, you know what? I think that we're going to have to draw this episode to a close. Oh, mega ramble. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of that's fun, isn't it? It was quite fun. Yeah. It was quite, fu- it was quite good. It was, it was fine. <laughs> it was just fine for a Sunday afternoon. It's not a thing. Sunday afternoon. No, it's a, it's a Thursday evening. But you should listen to it on yeah. a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, ideally. Yeah. With uh, some Jaffa cakes. Jaffa cakes, which are... Oh, why did I say that? I want a Jaffa that's, cake. That's now. half an hour's worth of podcasting as well we'd have to do just to explain what Jaffa cakes are. Just Google it. Just Google, Google it, it Lynn. <laughs> Just Google it, Lynn. Yeah. Well, 
thanks for talking to us on the podcast again. I I think that my listeners will be like, oh, James on the podcast. That's nice. And some of them will be like, who's James? Because some uh, of them will be like, oh God, not again. There's that man again. <laughs> the man with a child in his eyes. Is that that's another Alan Partridge reference? That's another. We just slipped into full Partridge accidentally. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. Let's let's stop this now. And, okay. And just go back to our normal lives. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. Anyway, really, though, thanks for being on the podcast again. It's all right. Cheers. Um, um, you should say something to my audience send, and say goodbye to them and stuff I like that. I hope you're all well. Uh, well, apparently you're supposed to speak to people at indiv- like uh, as an individual when mm-hmm. you're doing sort of radio type things. So you're not supposed to go, bye, everyone. You're supposed to go speaking to your listener. Dear listener, thank you for listening. Um, I hope you doing well hope that little medical issue you've got clears up mm-hmm. and um hope you have a really good day slash evening slash night and uh just you know go in peace yeah B- go forth what is it and uh, multiply go forth and multiply go forth and is pro- that what it is no it's Pros- go- live long and prosper live long and prosper i think that this one from the bible it's, go it, forth and multiply it's a, it's that's a, uh, that's god it's a, i was getting god and spock mixed up Okay, thanks for thanks for adding that sincere message at the end there. Okay, that's all right. Um, all right. Just you know, just take it easy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Good. Okay, everyone, just take it easy. All right. Yeah. If you're driving home, just drive safe. Okay. Remember, if you if you're driving tonight, don't drink, and if you're drinking, don't drive. Thanks thanks a lot for listening to the late night radio show here on Luke's English Podcast with James in London and Luke in Paris. You have yourselves a great evening, guys, okay? Thanks a lot for tuning in. We'll be back on the radio, back in your headphones or your speakers before you can say... Uh, I think uh, you should cut this bit out as yeah, well. I, I would just, I, I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to end this in a in a good way, which I can't do. All right, thanks for having me, Luke. Bye. Pleasure. Bye bye then. So there you are. Thanks again to James for coming back on the podcast. Leave your comments on the website in response to any of the things that came up in this conversation. Generally, we would love to know what you're thinking, unless you're thinking something really disgusting, in which case, please keep that to yourself. Um, So we talked a bit about books there. For me, I tend to use audiobooks these days. I just can't seem to find the time to actually do much normal reading. So I use Audible for my audiobooks, and I just wanted to remind you that they actually sponsor this podcast, Audible. And in fact, they have an offer that you could take advantage of, and that's a free audiobook of your choice. Audible have a free app which you can get on your phone. Audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E. They've got a free app and the way it works is you you buy the audiobooks on Audible's website or on Amazon and then the app kind of connects to your Audible or Amazon account. And so you can download the uh, audiobooks onto your app and then you can listen to them anywhere. It's a really cool way to consume books while doing other things, and often the books are read out by interesting people like talented actors and voiceover artists. So about that offer from Audible, basically they are offering you a 30-day free trial that includes a free audiobook of your choice. 
And if you like, you can just sign up for the free trial, get the audiobook, download it, listen to it, and then you can cancel your subscription before the end of the 30-day trial and you don't pay anything, right? Now, you can do that. You could just do that uh, just take advantage of the 30-day trial, including the audiobook, and cancel and just keep the book. And Audible are totally cool with that. That's fine. Or you could uh, you could keep the subscription uh, and get more books, including one book each month as part of your package. So there's an idea. You could listen to the Alan Partridge audiobooks, which are read out by Steve Coogan himself and are genuinely hilarious. Or if you're a Beastie Boys fan, check out the Beastie Boys audiobook, which is amazing in my opinion. To get the offer and for all the details, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash audiobook. Also, you could consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium at teacherluke.co.uk slash premium to get the benefit of my teaching skills as I focus on teaching you vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation. New premium episodes come out every month and I expect to do a premium episode focusing on language that came up in this conversation with James. In fact, there should be a premium episode coming soon about this one. So you can use my premium episodes to maximise your English learning with my podcast, teacherluke.co.uk slash premium. But for now, that's it. Congratulations on making it to the end of another super long episode in 2019. Do live long and prosper. And please remember to be excellent to each other. I'll speak to you again on the podcast soon. But for now, goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.